years. But it's there! It's just sitting there like this big dead end. And it's not the same for men. Charlie Chaplin had babies when he was 73. Yeah, but he was too old to pick them up. <laughs> Patrick, we're going to be 40. Oh, <laughs> movies and shit. Uh, 40 episodes in. Can you believe Happy it? Happy 40th podcast. We did it. Can I ask you a question? Do you think when we hit 100 episodes, the Fast and the Furious series will still be going strong? I mean, yeah. We, they're probably only going to be on like 10 by then. Um, I, we, we were in Vegas this weekend, and I can't remember who said it. Somebody said, you think they'll make Fast and Furious movies long enough that the title could be No Longer Fast, Still Furious? <laughs> I think uh, they, they like this idea of continuing to make the title as weird as possible. <laughs> so I think anything's fair game. You have to give them credit for fully embracing. Like they've said, our mantra is never be boxed in. Really? So the, I, the idea is... Sure, we could go to space. Like there are no limitations with our series, which yeah. which tracks because this started as street racers in Los Angeles, and they are Mission Impossible team, you know, Impossible Mission Force now. It's a good segue because Laurie and I have been watching them all. We just finished, oh man, we just finished six yesterday. Wait, let me ask you this yeah. before you continue. What is the order? I mean, this is kind of like the Star Wars thing where the third one kind of. Did you watch them in order of release? Did we you? watched them in release order, but okay. it is important to me to know all of their t- uh, true full titles oh, wow. and okay. to know the retconned chronology. Yeah, which was definitely retconned. Which is so retconned, but essentially the retconned uh, order is uh, that essentially all the rest – well, no, I take that back uh, – Three happens after six. Yep. Yep. Right. But when three came out, yep. it was supposed to be a prequel. Correct. When three came out, they said this is first. It came out as the third one. People were like, yep. okay, that's fine, but it's just different characters. No, yes. no deal with the chronology. Then it was, you know what? It takes place before fast and the furious. Baby. Right. And then because of the after credit scene or the end of the movie scene, right? Yep. At the end of six, it was okay. Now it takes place after six. <laughs> Did we do them all as Rotten Tomatoes scores yet? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. We're four, dude. I can't remember anything. We're forty episodes in. Memory starts going at four. No, actually, I don't think memory starts going at forty. I think it's just your like your ligaments and kneecaps and stuff like that. I think those are the first things that uh <clears throat> that start to go. But um, well, checking my notes. No, we have not done that, but we ooh, will soon because F nine will be out in the, in a month or so. Yeah, baby. And uh, I've just I will. You know, in the next couple of weeks, I've finished them all, rewatching them. There you go. So I think uh, that's coming up. So keep your eyes out for it. F9 and Bond um, 25 and Top Gun 2, all coming out soon. <laughs> uh, Bond and Top Gun come out in October and November. So that's a bummer that it's not, they're not yeah, summer releases. But it's we do have a lot of fun stuff happening this summer. So that's cool. It's exciting. Just getting back to the movies is exciting. We went back to the movies this since last we talked. Um, Very yeah. exciting. Why don't you tell me what you've seen? We well at the theater. We went back. We 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 fired up our old AMC passes again. Yeah, and we went back and saw one that you had recommended to us, oh, uh, yeah? Raya and the Last Dragon. <gasps> What'd you think? I fucking loved it. Yeah, that's um, how I feel. Jess really liked it too. I think I liked it better than Jess because yeah. it sort of immediately jumped into my all timer list. Like, there's yeah. recency bias top, with top this. Disney. 
But yeah, but I am, um, and I would say, you know, there's a couple that are kind of reserved probably as much due to me being a kid as anything Yeah, in sort of my, you know, full 10 out of 10 scale. Yep. But it was right there at that next tier, like that nine out of 10. Okay. This is not one I grew up with, but here's why I think it's so good. And I, and I put it in that category for different reasons and probably any other one that's there. It didn't feel, it didn't feel like an animated movie idea to me. Um, and I don't know if you felt the same way when I watched this. It wasn't like the Inside Out or Up or Wally or you know or or the Beauty and the Beast, the older ones, Tangled, you know, new versions of that, that kind of thing. Yeah, it felt like very much to me like a um, sort of a fantasy mythology that was really well thought out. Yeah, and ve- like had a lot of depth. I mean, it felt more like not to not to really even joke about this, but it felt more like a Lord of the Rings style. We've created an entire world. There's some mythology incredibly here. Incredibly dense, yes. And like yes. there were action beats that were like gave me chills that yep. were like, I, I don't want to sound as ridiculous, but like badass. As, yeah, as they, they were truly epic. That you see um, in a movie. Yeah. It was a hero's journey. It was all the stuff I talk about that I love about Star Wars yes. and Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. And it had it in spades. And yeah, it had yes. the funny beats that are like, it, it seemed like what Mulan, the live action Mulan was trying to do. <laughs> And I didn't feel like it was it's, good. It's so good funny. At. You really, it's like you're saying, you really can't compare it to other Disney, recent Disney properties. You can compare it more to yeah. more substantial live action epic properties that I don't even think they've achieved it really. They've tried yeah, to with the recent Star Wars and these other things. But to me, this Raya is, yeah, top tier like storytelling. In it's, recent it's great. memory, yeah. it's great world building. It's great. There's yes. a history to it. There's, I mean, it, it's a, it's obviously like a. There's lessons to be learned, right? It's an allegory, like all myths, right? It's like it, it is. Right. There's a lesson there, but it is told in in a in a really fantastic way. Um, I can't uh, totally speak agree. highly enough about it. Everybody should go check it out. Um, for sure. And and that's the one thing you saw it in the theater, yeah, yeah. We and watched y- it at home, and I think. I really should have seen it in. Th- I, maybe I'll go back if it's playing anywhere. Still, it's probably not playing anywhere, but it's it's so beautiful. It may yeah. still be at a couple of places. That is the primary reason we went. We were looking and we were like, "Well, what should we go see?" Because obviously, yeah. you know, things are in the theaters again, but we're still kind of waiting for it to get cranked up yes. to really get back. Yes. And so Jess and I were like, "Well, we want to go back. It's been so long." But what should well, we see? Well, that's a great choice. I'm and I was like, "Well, Kelly it. specifically said I wish I had seen it in a theater." Yeah. And I was like, "Let's go. Let's go see it in a theater." That's so that, great. Was, that was the one that took us back uh, back to the theaters. Um, anyway, yeah, um, I've I've been killing a lot of movies here too. Uh, well, you obviously, know, Fast and the we, Furious. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've been watching a lot at home, but uh, I did work a lot in the last few weeks. But we haven't done a regular podcast in a while, like six weeks or something. Yeah, and so, we hope everybody's okay out there. Yeah, because I know we've carried everybody through. Everybody that I listens. Mean, through I mean, I assume they're they're uh, they're just waiting for this episode so <laughs> intently <laughs> they can't wait. They're listening Got to it itch. the moment it, it, it was released. And uh, who's they? I don't know. Don't well, ask. if the number of phone calls so, we've gotten is any indication, they are excited. Uh, we get a lot this. of spam uh, phone calls <laughs> at our at our movies and shit phone number. So uh, thank you to all you telemarketers. They're and, the ones that love us. Goddamn. Um, so. So yeah, I mean uh, that's that's a great uh, comeback to the movie theater. Godzilla vs Kong was a big comeback to the movie theater yes. movie. Yes, not just for me and the people that saw it, but like this is a good example of 
<clears throat> a movie that was released on HBO Max. Um, a lot of people have HBO Max for free, and then you have a lot of subscribers. Right. Um, but it was released simultaneously on the platform and in theaters. And do you know how much money that's made worldwide now? I know it's made a lot, but I don't know. I don't know the number. Four hundred and twenty-seven million. Jeez Louise. And Jeez Louise. only a hundred of that is domestic. So clearly, it's not a many hundred million dollar movie in America. But right. it came out in March. I think, yeah, you know, yeah. the pandemic's still raging at, at that. Well, not raging, but it's it's still, still significant enough yeah, that you know there's still heavy limitations on capacity, and not many people are going to the theaters. And like now, we're recording mid-May, things are definitely mellowing out, and in the next few weeks, they're going to be significantly right. mellowed in terms of requirements right. for these places. But the fact that it made almost a half a billion dollars already is just a testament. And I've been hearing because quiet place two is coming out soon. I've been hearing oh, yeah, that's like, another uh, one about. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Emily Blunt was on Howard Stern the other day and talking about this, basically saying like, we're not worried about the movies or box office. You know, we're really not because right. it's just, if you take one or two of these movies that have come out recently, as an indication of right. what it's going to be like this summer, I think, yeah. We're I would imagine, if anything, you're going to have more of a boost than normal, at least at the beginning, because I really do think people are just itching so badly to do things again, to get back yeah. to life. That's one of those things. I will say, I'm, I'm sorry to circle back already, but just in terms of like the movie theater experience itself, so we went to Raya, and it, it was... Uh, the one thing I wondered when I left, I was like, did I like that movie even more because I'm so fucking happy to like be back in my, my church, you know, like watching That's so funny. Yeah. But, and, and I still, I, again, I, I stand by my, my statement, but the funniest part about it was we're in the movie theater. You can feel the energy of the people. Yeah. It's so much fun sitting there, even though we're all spaced out with other people watching <laughs> it. Everybody seemed to be in it. And then right at the end at a pretty critical moment, someone's phone rang and he answered it and started talking. Oh to whoever was on the oh other end. And I was like, this is actually, I didn't even get mad. I was like, this is actually a perfect return because everything's been better and we're watching in the theater. We're also dealing with this one shithead, you know what I mean, <laughs> who's having a conversation. But it's all like, it's it all came flooding back, you yeah, know, what yeah. that was and how long it's been. Anyway, it cracked me up, so. That's very interesting. I uh, I definitely do not miss those elements of it at all, but <laughs> right, I, right. I uh, generally try to go during the week and there's not as many uh assholes right um but you know uh godzilla versus kong uh did you see that of course yeah it was yeah. fun right we, we saw it we saw it on the small screen because at that point we still yeah. weren't vaccinated and we, right. we saw it we wanted to see it as quickly as yeah it came out it was sure. fun it was exactly what i thought the the versus movies are like their own genre to me yeah um the thing that made me laugh the hardest i was talking to some somebody some of our engineers at, at work and they really love all the big monster movies and you know, fast and furious all that stuff and they were asking about it and uh, they were like, who do you think is going to win? And I remember being like, uh, they're going to fight and then they're going to team up and take down something bigger. Right. And I was like, that's what's going to happen. And I had not, you know, I, of course I didn't know. I just watched the, the trailer. Right. And they were like, nah, man, like it's a versus. I was like, didn't you watch Batman versus Superman or like any other versus it's movie ever? It's not about ever? the versus. Yeah, it, it, about, yeah, we yeah. have to, we can get the video <laughs> game aspect of them fighting, but ultimately we have to root for both of them. Otherwise all your Kong fans will be mad or Godzilla. Yeah. And no one agreed with me. <laughs> and, and here we are. And, you know, oh, anyway, gosh. it just cracked me up when it happened. I was like, of course, this is what's going on. Yeah. What do you think? Um, that's uh, wildly <laughs> different from some of these other ones that I saw. Did you see French Exit? Haven't seen French Exit. Yet. I watched the trailer. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, Excited to see it, but yeah, it's like a it's like a Woody Allen movie without the annoyance Woody of Woody Allen. Yeah, it's it's really really Which is wonderful. Problematic. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it's got our girl. Uh, uh, 
Catwoman. <laughs> yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I always Michelle forget Pfeiffer. her name too. Um, yeah. um, no, so, she's wonderful. Um, right what else did you see? Um, so the other things that I wanted to mention, I watched. I finally got around to seeing News of the World. Oh yeah, did you I, like it? I, I really, I, I mean, look, man, okay, that, that movie. Yeah. I'm not a good indicator on this because I just like those it's movies. Just, yeah, but I was really, really into it. I watched it on the airplane. Wow, and uh, in two parts because it, the flight was too fast. Um, yeah, but uh, but I really, really dug it. Uh, I was glad I finally got to see it. That was one that had kind of been on my list for right. a while. I just thought it was a perfect Tom Hanks. Yeah, I mean, it's just Agreed. a perfect Tom Hanks. He's, movie. he's perfect That's in it. What yeah. he should be in. The other one that I watched that I wanted to mention is. Um, I watched a documentary, and it's on Netflix right now, and it's called Sad Hill Unearthed. Oh, Have you heard of that? No, I don't know it. So I loved this documentary. Um, I huh. don't know if everyone will. Um, it is literally about a group that um, sort of recreates the outdoor set as a film location you can now visit um, of the cemetery at the end of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Wow. Where the famous shootout happens, they went to the actual location where it happened. Obviously, you know this from movies. You build the set, and then you leave, and it right. slowly decays. Um, the movie meant so much to them, and this is probably why I like the documentary so much. It's just basically about fans and passion. Yeah, passion, yeah. That they went, and they put in all this time, and they found other fans online that like to do this, and they sort of figured out what the scope and the scale would be, and they mapped everything and looked at old stills, and, the, and they recreated everything. And it's very interesting because you get all these great interviews you know, during the course of this, I never knew this because I'm not like a, a Metallica guy, but they play that music as their pump up music before no they go on shit. stage for every single uh, show. And so you're interviewing the the lead, you know, guitar and singer or singer who also plays guitar for them. You're interviewing different filmmakers about what that sequence means to them. Right. Um, they get Clint Eastwood to actually speak. He no doesn't shit. go. To, yeah, but, yeah. He, but at the end, basically, they invite everybody out as kind of the debut kickoff of this, you know, site that you can visit. Right. And they play the movie. They have an outdoor screening. And um, that Clint Eastwood, they got an interview with him and he pops up on screen and talks to everybody. And the best part is the guys who are being interviewed, it's all subtitled because it's, you know, it's Italian or whatever. They're yeah. in Italy. And um, and they're all saying, you know, it was just so amazing. You know, Clint was on screen and, you know, he was talking to us and what yeah. we've done. and. Of course, we couldn't understand anything he was saying. Like they didn't have it subtitled, so they did not know what he was saying. It was oh just—it's about pure emotion, though. Yeah. Like, and it's this weird thing where you realize like people are connected on this scale that kind of goes beyond that. But um, and one guy talks about you know this is the movie that he and his dad always watched, and his dad's passed away. So obviously, there's there's a lot of emotional weight to it. But if you want something that's just about weird passion, you know, yeah. it's kind of like King of Kong, like where you think, okay, these guys are competitive arcade players, but then you get hung up in it, you know, and you're sort of like, oh shit. Well, I mean. Who am I to say what's relevant in terms that of that? Sounds wonderful. Love. Yeah. But it's really great. Sad Hill on Earth. I, I highly recommend that one as well. Um, and, and that's a really good one. That's I'm going to come back to in a couple of minutes. I've got just a quick list, a bullet list of a bunch yeah, yeah. of documentaries I watched that oh, are in it. the same vein of things like that you're like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. Um, but I'm just making a note right okay. now. Sad Hill on Earth. Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple uh, more that I saw in theaters in the last few. <clears throat> days actually i saw together together uh which is the ed helms uh jess really wants to see that what'd you think uh surrogate birth movie um i really loved it it's very heartwarming and cute and um it's it's an awkward movie in the sense that they wanted it to be yeah, you know ed it's helms. it's kind of awkward <laughs> people and awkward situations um but in a very human way 
and uh, I it's very emotional, and I I just think it's very good. And I don't I don't know if there's ever been a movie about a single, you know, guy, um, you know, yeah, probably choosing not. surrogate birth, probably and not, yeah. doing this. Um, I'm sure it happens all the time yeah. in life, and and I don't know that I've ever seen it on screen before. Um, another one I just saw is this uh, documentary of sorts called Gunda, which is <laughs> very pretentious. Um, it's produced by Joaquin Phoenix and it's literally just like from the pig's eye view sort of, of a family of pigs. It's like this mama pig. She has, she gives birth to a litter of pigs and okay. there's no dialogue in it. Okay. It's just these pigs living their lives. The pigs growing up, getting we're bigger and bigger and bigger. We're just observing. It's literally okay. like that very, it's like. so art house. And you know, I saw it at Lamely and it's like, very art house and yeah. you know it's i think it's the the point of it is that it's the polar opposite of like a anti-meat organization documentary that's like heavily produced it's right. like oh, let's right. come at it a different way you know yeah. and that, that's totally fair and there's plenty of merit to that but um it's beautifully photographed it's like i don't know how you can have a cinema camera down with these pigs for so long in the mud, in the mud, in the mud, mm-hmm. and they don't seem to care. It, there's like mm-hmm. one or two shots in the movie where they sort of like come towards the camera, where they're sort of right, like aware right. of it, but the rest of the time they're just not. And it's so uh, like you are living with these animals. Um, That's, that is interesting. It's interesting. They're highly intelligent. They're they're one of those animals that they know yeah. figure out that they are going to slaughter, the, which is unsettling, the, of course. The eyes of the pigs, when inevitably the pigs are learning that things are not great in their life, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, is a human life. They have very human, right, human right. eyes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's bad. Man. Um, but well, anyways, that sounds like a really good message and it sounds very pretentious. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Like yes, it yes. sounds exactly like yeah. that actor that, no one outside the coastal elites cares about. It. In fact, they don't like them because they do stuff because like they this, do this. Yeah, thinking exactly. they're going to change the world by making that movie. And yeah. I'm not shitting on Joaquin. I mean, I no, no, ultimately no, of course. he's better than me. For many respects, his views. To, yeah, but um, but it does seem like this is the platform you're choosing. <laughs> and like Yoko Ono doing a show yeah. in New York, half the people are going to walk out. Yes. You're not changing the world with that. Same, but same anyway, thing, yeah. but whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> well, cool. <laughs> glad glad good, you got to uh, see that one. Um, I also saw another downer called Four Good Days, um, which is uh, it's Glenn Close and plays Mila Kunis's mom, and Mila okay. Kunis plays a heroin, amongst other things, oh, heroin Jesus. addict. Yeah. And it's a it's a kind of a rough movie. The subject is very rough because it's rough. You know, it's just hard. Right. Um, the movie itself is not technically that well made. It's very kind of base level. Uh, movie it it feels like it was made by you know maybe some up and coming people that are that maybe haven't done very much so there's there's right. plenty of merit right. in a kind of a starter movie but at the same time um, Mila Kunis is at least trying to do a really heavy heavy role um, where she looks terrible you know she's all uh, fucked yeah. up and and so I give her lots of credit for that and she's good in it she's not amazing but she's good and Glenn Close is always great um, Stephen Root plays the dad or the or the father-in-law or whatever yeah. um, <clears throat> father figure fa- father figure yeah what is that stepdad excuse me stepdad gotcha. stepdad um, and uh, so that one's kind of rough um, I saw Army of the Dead oh how was um, that which is you know it's fun it's a fun that's all i want it's a fun zombie movie i i had fun with it uh 
it's a little bit more dour and kind of dramatic than it needed to be. Like you could have had more comedy and more okay. fun okay. to it, but right. it, at the same, it, like it, it takes itself a little bit too seriously, but at the Seems same like time, Zack Snyder. yeah, that's just kind of how he is. Exactly. <laughs> but the, the, my main takeaway is more technical, which is not going to apply to everybody, but I did see it in the theater, even though it's going to be on Netflix this week. Right. Um, I saw it in the theater and, uh, this is a unique thing. Zack Snyder is credited as the cinematographer. Oh, he did not have okay. a cinematographer on this and it shows <laughs> like, oh shit okay. he he actually is a decent camera operator there's nothing about the individual shots or you know the c- camera operation of it or even camera placement most of the time that i have any issue with right it's poor, extremely poorly lit the movie oh. and that's that's a big part of being a director of photography a director of photography on a big budget movie like this um, is not operating the camera generally. They they might have right. a part in that right. depending on the situation, but um, generally they have camera operators for that, and they're more setting the scene, and getting it lit the way that they want, getting it to look the way that they want, and it's very clear that Zach doesn't know how to do that. Right. Um, well, because light is everything, right? I mean, I don't light understand is the technical everything. stuff, but right, that's right, right. what you're. It's light. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Filmmaking is light. Yeah, exactly. it literally is. It, I mean, people don't realize all it how is. Simple. It's light, yeah. and so his command of the light in any given situation is absolutely fucking horrendous. Oh no. And <laughs> what's weird to me is that when you shoot a movie, even though you might not light it very well, you still shoot. Uh, raw, which means you have lots of latitude in post-production right, to, right. to some degree, adjust you know, what we're seeing and how light... Talking about color correction for, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's unfortunate because it play... It, th- there's a possibility that the TCL Chinese theater, which is a big theater, um, projected it incorrectly. They did start a movie um, upside down. Once, we did. We did. We've talked about it. Um, but I, it's going to be interesting on Netflix this week for me to play it at home, where I have oh, yeah. a Dolby Vision yeah. like TV, Dolby Vision, you know, all compatible devices, to see whether the Netflix copy of it is different than the theater copy. Yeah, of get it. ready for potentially um, our first apology to Zack Snyder. Totally. Uh, this it, is- <laughs> I, I will absolutely tell you, but I, it's not I doubt, out yet. I doubt it it's not on we'll Netflix see. yet. So that we'll was a, that was a weird one. But other than that, if you can get and I, by the way, I did get past it eventually. Right, I was like, right, all right, right, right. it's fine. Um, but it, it's uh, it's very drab and flat and uh, and dark um, in a weird way. Do you think um, it's better odds that Fast and the Furious will go to space or have zombies at some point? What do you think? What do you think? The, I between think the two space of them. first, yeah. Yeah, and um, in yeah fact, later. There's a new F9 trailer that I saw yesterday for yeah, the first time. I've seen it too. And they're on a plane at the end of that in yeah. suits. Yep. Yep. That are not space suits. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they are water suits. We'll see what that's um, like. Anyways, we don't know. But um, <laughs> do you have any more movies that it's you gonna saw be fun in theaters? And, or? Um, uh, yeah. if anything. Those, those are the big ones I want to okay. I, I watched a ton of stuff. There's not many things of, of note other yeah. than that that I would, that I would bring up. I, I Real quickly, um, have you heard of The Man Who Killed Don Quixote? Yeah, I haven't seen it. So I just I recently it. watched that one too. Um I'm I'm more interested in just kind of the story of this because Terry Gilliam's been trying to get this movie made for 15, 20 years, and, right. and he's a renowned filmmaker, and that's always interesting to me. A24 finally, eventually has done it. Uh, right. It's Adam Driver when it when he first pitched it and he was trying to film it before there were all these weather disasters that ended the film. It was going to be Johnny Depp, 
playing oh. that character. Uh, that's how kind of long it was. This was Johnny Depp, like Pirates of the Caribbean, or first mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp, that kind of era. Um, and it ended up making for a really great or really fun, in my opinion, documentary uh, called Lost in La Mancha, which is basically about all the shit that can go wrong with it. Mean, if you want to watch a documentary, since you're making this list of the way movies can go wrong, things that are that out of your great. control. And yeah, this is yeah. what, again, with Terry Gilliam was someone who has done this dozens of He's times around, won yeah. awards. It's not that indie guy where it's like, Oh shit, this went wrong right. for them. This is like somebody who had everything set and went wrong. Anyway, um, I enjoyed it. I liked the Don Quixote story anyway, and it's sure. a unique take. It's a, it's a director who has kind of come back to the same place where he made his first student film that launched him as a director. And he sort of finds his, the guy the actor, he wasn't really an actor. He was just a normal guy who played in his student film, the Don Quixote character. And at this point, that guy may or may not have kind of lost his mind and thinks he is the character from that student film. Weird. Anyway, yeah. so it's it's not the story of Don Quixote. It's the story of this director yeah. kind of getting, anyway, getting mixed up. But um, that's a fun one if you get a chance to check that one out. Um, I know you can find it uh, on Hulu. Cool. Um, but I don't know what other way there may or may not be. So that's it for me as far as stuff I've seen. Uh, that's cool. Those right are now. some good ones I wrote down. Um, I've got some documentaries that are not all brand new, but a few of them in a row. Yeah, let's see, one, two, three, okay. four, five of them or something uh, that I want to mention really quick. <clears throat> one was Seaspiracy, which Lander had told me about. Did you watch right. that? I haven't watched it. I, I have a, a, a work buddy who really didn't like it. So I'm curious what you the, thought. I, the the concept of not liking a documentary is weird to me. So okay, the, there are fair only enough. there are only two reasons why you don't like a documentary. You fundamentally disagree with the message that it is that would be making. Yeah, which that would is, be his argument. Uh, th- that's that's got to be it. Right. Because the other one is that it is technically poorly made. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. how many people are really going to know? Most aren't. Uh, Most aren't. Whether it is lacking in that area. But uh, it is definitely a well-made documentary. And uh, it is uh, not a sequel, but it is from the same producers of a movie called Cowspiracy that is oh, even older. That. Cowspiracy, I think, is streaming on Amazon. And Seaspiracy is a... Netflix original recent documentary that explains a little bit more mm. the title because the, every time I look at Seaspiracy, I just think no conspiracy. Like why do you right. need Seaspiracy? I guess with Calspiracy, they, they talked. They talked about uh, that. Okay, and okay. I forget Good if it's enough. in the movie or if it's outside the movie that I read it somewhere. But okay. Okay. about how like yes, we know the, the pun <laughs> is in the SEA. <laughs> Uh, you know, but we're, but we can't because they, I, they had a really good reason why it was something like when you write it or when you search it or whatever, I forget what it was, but anyway, Seaspiracy is about the very damning kind of evidence that, uh, the overfishing of our oceans and the byproducts of that, the killing of lots of other animals and ecosystems by major fishing corporations, uh, and then the ultimate, lack of follow through with any conservationism in oceans mm-hmm. is the is essentially the primary reason for climate change um ah, okay. and, and even though you could argue cl- primary the, the other primary reason for climate change is the m- agricultural meat industry right so like runoff these these arguments about other things <laughs> like yeah. our like our carbon emissions from vehicles and all these other things are right. fractions of a percent, uh, paper straws, not the you biggest, know, the, yeah. these are yeah. not things that actually, I mean, they of course all matter, but they, 
You but know, if you can't nip pure, the ninety percent of a problem, yeah, it exactly, doesn't matter. The exactly. Other 10. So, or or in this case, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy percent versus yeah, you know, fractions yeah, of a percent. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, it's hard to argue against the message. I guess you argue against the message if you, I, I can't, uh, if speak. you, if you have, if you have knowledge that is counter to yeah. this yeah. message then i'm all ears but i think generally people do not know about a thing and that's why we watch something like a documentary For sure that's why to i do learn it. about it and every documentary probably attempts to be objective but ends up being not so objective yeah, because they they find a a message that they believe and then they tell that message and that message might be tainted in one way or another, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, malicious uh, or, or counter to the truth on purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's all very interesting, but I would, I would check that out. Um, a couple more that are a little bit less heavy. The WeWork documentary is on you on uh, Hulu about the rise and fall of the WeWork brand. Oh, okay. Um, and it's it you know it's just these co working spaces. But it's uh, if you right. if you liked at all the Firefest documentaries, I did. watch oh, this one I because did. it's essentially Firefest in company form. Okay. Um, okay. And even cool. though unlike Firefest, WeWork is still around, but it's uh, it's around in spite of the what happened to right. it you know right. what i mean okay. like it is it went through an enormous douchey phase from yeah. a, a guy yeah. that was super douchey who created it um and uh, and it's just it's just an interesting uh, the full title is we work or the making and breaking of a, a, a making and breaking of a 47 billion dollar unicorn um the next one i wrote okay. down that i really loved Lauren and i loved so much was called the orange years the nickelodeon story yeah i've been wanting to see that one actually. it's really great i it's, think i would really be into it's that it's not like a a profound documentary of course, of course. it is i don't even want that so delightful and it is so fucking great that primarily the company is run run by women and they all made these insanely aggressive and smart and um, thoughtful choices about the creative direction of everything that happened at Nickelodeon in its inception that it led to things like all the things we love when yeah, we think of the er early Jesus. years of Nickelodeon and Nickelodeon's still around, but those years uh, it's just, it, it yeah, like it's not that. It, it, yeah. It's just incredibly, uh, what do you call it? Uh, impressive. Yeah. Um, for sure. That, yeah, that, I've been wanting to watch that one. And then awesome. two more real quick. There's a one-hour documentary called Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> okay, I've heard of this. I, I don't know what it's about. I did not know that I wanted to know the origin story or background of that song. But oh, it is... Say no more, Kelly. It is say no fascinating. More. I'm in. <laughs> you, I am and it's in only one hour. It's only one hour long. And it is amazing how it is not so simple as a group wrote a song and it became a hit. It is so weird. This is incredible. Um, you know, I think the only reason I'd actually <laughs> heard of this is I think you would put it up on Letterbox. Oh, um, I might have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I yeah. saw the title and I was like, who let who the, the dogs, dogs out? out? What a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. thinking about the song. Totally, that totally. is amazing. Um, um, I will check that the out The last sure. documentary I'm going to mention is a new one that you have, that is on video on demand called Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street. And oh, yeah. yeah I know about this one, too. delightful. It is cool. also just so positive and wonderful. And there's some Need wonderful... That 
little uh, outtakes from the Muppets from like Jim Henson oh, and these great. guys yeah. in the early that's days, great. just like being so sarcastic and dry and adult and just like, you know, big birds saying shit and stuff like this. It's just, it's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Yeah, of course. Um, so that's it for my documentaries. I do want to mention a couple other movies before we get to TV yeah, though. Um, I watched Stowaway, which is the Netflix yeah. movie. What, how was that? Uh, Cause uh, I have Joe seen uh, Payne, Payne, yeah, Payne yeah, directed, um, We've seen a couple other things of his. Uh, it was okay. It was okay. okay. I'm Just not okay. going to give it rave reviews. It's a very, very simple space story. It's very, it's a very small story. It's a very small movie in terms of its scope and what it's trying to achieve. We don't have enough say, air for you for. What's that? What, we don't have enough air for you for. What are you? Yeah, that, that's, what are you doing? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's it. it. You gotcha. know, um, but it it is. Uh, it's not bad at all, but it's just small. Um, a Woman in the Window is now on Netflix, which is a movie that before COVID, I think, was getting a big theatrical release. I remember. I remember the previous. The trailers like were good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, directed by Joe Wright, who did a lot of wonderful movies. He did Atonement and a lot of, you know, not really nice movies like that. Um, really substantial movies. Uh, great cast. Amy Adams. Watched this last night. Uh, I really liked it quite a bit. Um, and the last one I'm going to mention, which I saw in theaters yesterday, was Wrath of Man, the new Guy Ritchie movie. I was going to ask if you got into that yet. Don't tell me too much because I this won't. is one we were actually going to the theater to see that one yeah. just because I wanted big, dumb, fun action. Sure. And um, we, we didn't get around to it because, we, like, you know, we've been on a couple trips and sure. we didn't want to leave Madison, our dog, that night, like sure. the night before we left. So we ended up staying. But that's the next one kind of on our list. Please watch that and, uh, and, and please do tell me what you think as soon as you see it because um, – I, I'm not going to get into it, uh, but I I quite loved it. Um, cool. Lander cool. did not though, so it's okay. all you know what I mean. Like it's it's Our mixed. It's mixed. Um, anyways, uh, let's um, let's move on. Well, uh, yeah. To launch ahead. us into TV, I don't have a lot of TV to talk about, but sure. I, I did see something and I saved this just because I um, yeah <laughs> I just found it funny um, in regards to TV. Uh, I was just scrolling through Instagram at some point this week, and there's something that's posted here and. And basically, somebody has written, can we go back to TV shows having 26 episodes? <laughs> no. I'm tired of this trend of having to wait a year and a half for 9 to 12 episode season. <laughs> to which, and listen, everybody's entitled to their opinion. The first thing I thought was, do we want 10 episodes in the middle of a season of filler? And like, I just feel like it's not many people would argue exactly yeah. that, that TV is not at its absolute peak. I mean, I bitch about movies sometimes as much as that's my favorite yeah. in regards to like what era we're in for films. I don't think many people would argue the quality of TV right now. And I was like, you know, it just made me think you're never going to satisfy everybody. No, everybody's got a different opinion. Everybody wants something, but it just made me laugh. And that's I wanted a, to throw it it's out. It's a totally counter. It's an argument counter to logic, but it also is a, it's an argument co- coming from like, they liked they like the shows that they like and they're going, why do we only get 10 episodes? Yeah. Why don't we get more? Yeah. I get, so it, I so get it. It's a very, that's a very gut reaction. That is the, the reason the quality is good. We've talked about correct. this a million times. 100%. Same things with movie there's, series that go on and on forever. It's the same thing. You, the less you have, the better it will be the the more that these production companies are given a set budget and that i'm sorry but that budget would not balloon uh in uh in in tandem with the amount of episodes it would not be um you know an equitable increase you can't you can't make 26 at 10 million dollars yeah, an episode no way. you can make eight at $10 million. And you're putting these uh, storytellers right back in that situation where it's not, Hey, give us the best story you can. 
give it's us now as much as give you us this many episodes, yeah. but make your story fit into that. Yeah. Even if you do that really well, it's always the the counter of the way you would want to do it. We, you know, the t- American television is kind of finally caught on to in my opinion yeah that british thing of like oh we've planned out this show already right and it's going to be two seasons we may if it's really popular come back and plan out a new arc but we're going to figure that out first yeah. as opposed to the all right here's what we're contracted to uh, and there's actually a great i don't want to go on a huge tangent of this but not that i totally forgive any of them for lost <laughs> but uh there was an interview recently i can't remember if it was jj abrams or if it was Anyway, I can't remember who it was, yeah. but they were talking about it being in that writer's room and how very clearly they stated, you know, we have three episodes of show. And they said that around episode two, yeah. and this has become a full phenomenon. And the, stu- the studio was literally like, we were thinking 10. And they were like, uh, well, you know, he- here's what we can give you as quality. And they essentially negotiated with one another to six, uh, yeah. which is what it ended up being. Interesting. Now, this also feels like very much like, oh, no one liked where we went with this. Right. And we're going to tell you kind of the history of it. However, it-, it did strike some truth to me just in the fact that the show goes in such a different direction in regards to instead of the flashbacks, you know, and forwards, like you get to season three. I don't know if you remember lost, but that's where this huge bomb is dropped of like right. it's the flash forward from that point on is where you get into kind of like the actual time travel and the flashes sideways and things that are different than the first three. So anyway, that, yeah. that's enough of that, but um, it's just interesting to think about it. I mean, I think the time I would like to think that the time of the studio dictating an overall, time frame is over because they i think they've all learned that that's right. not the way to go right um but uh that's all fair um I'm well, re- what have you watched i'm yeah. re-watching the oc right now oh man fun. we've um, been on the run riding in the yeah sun. well oh, there's, baby. A, there's a new podcast called welcome to the oc bitches amazing and it's a <clears throat> episode by episode rewatch um Hosted by Rachel Bilson and Melinda Clark. No way. <clears throat> so, uh, Kelly, so, you know what I like about rich guys? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Excellent. Sorry. No, Sorry. that's great. <laughs> Nerd out here. That's in the second or third episode, yeah, which yeah. is I, what yeah. I just watched. Um, <laughs> I, I quite love the OC and kind of grew up Ryan. with it. Uh, it. It was on the same years I was in high school in Orange County. So it, it really was the teenage soap, struck. man. However you feel about it. 90210 was yep. of an era. OC yep. was of the same, you know, it was a different yep. era. Same thing. Yep. Um, it really defined a lot of things. And looking back just in these first episodes of the podcast, they're really making a lot of great points about how it, it kind of dictated a lot of things about television and about tone and about pop culture that we don't even realize Uggs and so many, I mean, yeah, not, that, not yeah. that that's an important thing, but, no, no, but the things true, that they're bringing up, like the casting director was on a recent episode and he was like, yeah. Uggs weren't a thing before this episode. Look, you're if like, you're influential shit. with the 14 yeah. <laughs> to 22 year olds, I'm right. serious. Right, right, then, right. right. Then, that's it. Then whatever is being dictated for that generation, yes. you are part of that. So uh, I'm going to cool. rattle off a couple more. I watched the Stanley Tucci Italy uh, show. It's a CNN show, but it's Stanley Tucci going all through Italy. It's called Searching for Italy, and he's Italian, oh, right and he on. speaks Italian. So, I yeah, I didn't either until you watched the One show. One more impressive like, thing both, about Stanley Tucci. <laughs> exactly. Both of his parents are Italian. He speaks Italian, and he's, like, going back to the homeland to, you know, find, you know, uh, culture and food and everything. And so it's mostly a food show, but it's right, right. a really wonderful show <clears throat> um, in the vein of, like, a, a – um, 
you know, parts unknown or whatever, but it, yeah. it's uh, wonderful. Um, I also finished Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was fine. <laughs> Did you watch them all? No, we, we, honestly, we haven't watched any of them. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. and, and that's the first. You know, I told you we we really really enjoyed WandaVision, mm-hmm. and I have seen all the movies simply because not because I'm a giant fan, but because you know I want to I want to be up to speed on this all, stuff, yeah. and they're very iconic. Sure, and in in no way am I saying that they're not really well done because they yeah. are. Um, but yeah, that's one that we haven't jumped on yet, and I'll probably just binge it whenever I'm. It'll probably be a random time, but yep. nobody cares about yep. me talking about it. But I'm kind of just going to wait until I'm ready to watch it. It'll probably um, be better to, because they aired one per week, and I think it'll be better right. to just binge it. You'll probably have a better time than I did. I thought it was incredibly basic and kind of not. You know, that's what it looked like to me on the app, but I didn't want to judge it because you know it's just it's the preview. So uh, yeah. who knows? I know, I know. But anyways, yeah, that. Um, you know, it's funny. It's mostly been movies for me. The only TV, and I'll, I'll let you jump back in, but the only TV I really watched was kind of like the Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, an older Marvel show that I'd never gotten around to because I just happened to scroll by it. It was um, Agent Carter. Oh, I never watched that. And I really. It's the same really girl, dug right? It. Yeah. yeah. Same girl, and I yeah, really yeah. like her. And yeah, honestly, man, she's it's like, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier okay. a lot. She's a main okay. character. Yeah. So my thing is just like, all right, so you're giving me a sort of World War II espionage flick. Oh, wait, no, she's not. Sorry. Oh, Agent Carter about? is who? So Agent Carter Peggy? is the one. Yes. Oh, shit. That is who I forgot. Captain okay. America falls in love with. That's I'm, why I was sorry. like, wow, I, got, I don't know. I got her mixed up with the, the modern day the daughter is it the daughter no maybe who's the woman neither who, of us are experts on uh, this oh who is looking over steve uh, or looking over yeah looking over steve looking over steve when he gets his apartment in dc they like have the the agent it's in some of the movies i forget yeah and it's see, like the blonde is... girl who okay. is an agent oh, okay okay, who, okay okay i think that I'm, might be Peggy's i'm not gonna be able to give you a name but yeah i'm pretty sure if she talked about like grandma so i think it was I, grandma i think that's peggy's daughter yeah. so that's so, also agent carter but so yeah technically you you weren't wrong so it's um, a it's a world war ii era but this is just basically yeah it's world war ii spy stuff and oh. it's and well, it's episodic cool. and it's week after week but you know if you're like me and you love freaking espionage stuff uh-huh. to a fault and then it's like you put the female spin on it in an era where no one would take her seriously as a right, spy, which right. is part of the reason she's so effective. Um, and I just I liked it to a degree that I'm, it's a little bit embarrassing. I was just you like, like, man, I love that. Yeah. I, I just blew right through it. And and I can't say, oh my god, man, this is the most well made show. Sure, it was just so enjoyable to me. That's great. Um, so yeah, I've been straight through it. Um, Jess popped in and out, but really enjoyed what she watched right. too. And it's just, it's a fun era to mine. I always think about with the spy stuff, I think about the 60s first, right? And then modern stuff. But World War II, when when kind of those departments were first forming, is a really fun kind of era to mine. Yeah. So it was a unique uh, Marvel show. It was different than, than most of their stuff. Um, so yeah, I dug it and I recommend it. But, That's uh, good advice. Anyway. I, I might have to pick that up. I didn't realize that that was in a period. Well, and uh, see, you know, yeah. it, was a, it was Netflix because it was before Marvel with Disney Plus. Right. So it was a different, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I watched it on Netflix unless That would make sense. Over. I don't, I don't think remember they, where I, I don't think it. they switched them all over. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's, it's really fun and worth if you're, you know, I know there's a lot of stuff to watch, but I think you'd like it. So. Well, it's not like I don't watch a lot of fucking <laughs> yeah, stuff. True. Um, true. So a couple other new shows. I watched Made for Love on HBO, which is this okay. new Kristen Melody show. And I like her a lot. She's quite good. Um, yeah, the, show's, the, the show's good. Um, it is, you know, it's it's quirky and it's also got a tinge of like, you know, weird shit going on. You know, it's kind of a weird 
premise uh premise right. but it's a uh, very uh i totally enjoyed it um you know it it's tough shows like that come out and if it were 15 years ago it would be like oh my god this yeah, show is amazing show, right? you know, yeah, and no, it, know but it it just gets lost now because there's, there's just, just a so lot of good shows much. man um there's a sh- uh, a three-part documentary called Sasquatch. Did we talk about Sasquatch? <laughs> I know about it. I don't remember if we talked about it on pod. It's the Duplass brothers. It. They yeah. produced it, and uh, they didn't direct it or anything, but they, the executive produced it, and it's quite good because it is – it's so weird. Um, you know, it starts out as an earnest documentary about Bigfoot and Sasquatch. <laughs> right. And I didn't even realize that that – myth even though it's a very universal myth but the specific american version of sasquatch is very focused in the pacific northwest or more specifically northern california and then right you know i didn't i didn't realize that um but essentially this show is a uh a fluid transition between a sasquatch documentary into a weed growing documentary into a murder (laughs) cold case documentary in three episodes. And you're just like, I can see how you make this documentary and you film these interviews and these things. And it naturally leads to stories about the next subject (laughs) and then the next subject. And you're like, okay, well I guess that's the documentary is just that it's about all of it. And, uh, and, and you call it Sasquatch, you know. Well, two um, thoughts on this. One, <laughs> you you are c- clearly this is a, and I'm not saying this, but like that's kind of a critique of well, what are we doing? And you're selling me on it because <laughs> because it's so bad. Shit. No, no, I'm not I'm because I think it's good. To sell yeah, you okay, on it. I, okay, fair enough. When I when I describe it that way, I'm going. That's why I like it. It's yeah. Well, that's yeah. the other thing I was going to say. Somehow that tracks for me with the whole mumble core. Do you yes, know what I mean? Yes, like yes, if yes, any yes. group was going to do that, it seems. Well, hey, the story went this way, so we'll just go this way. 100%. Which yeah. is disastrous as you as what you would try. That's not that's what everyone would teach you not to do. Right. But if any group has pulled that off, it is them. And I'm not saying there's no time to do it either. I mean, this is what we talk about with like right. David Lynch where he follows impulses. I mean, right. but I'm just saying it's more difficult to do it that way. Yeah, but David Lynch is another example of someone that could have made yes. this. He's like type and then thing, they yes. talked about that. So I yeah. I did that. So then I did it. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's how it felt to anyway. me. Okay. Um, well, Sasquatch. All right. La- last couple of things I'll mention. Um so on Disney Plus, there's a little 18 minute thing called Star Wars Biomes. Have you seen that? No. The it's, only one I was aware of is the Bad Batch. That's oh for, yeah. So Biomes is not a TV show. It's a video. It's oh, an okay. it's an 18 minute video. Oh. And I quite like it a lot. Essentially, like we're watching Biomes. my Apple TV screensavers right now. Yeah. So what it is is a bunch of the environments of Star Wars in an aerial footage oh, baby, fashion in. oh baby I'm where in. they've put in elements of star wars so there's a, a beautiful it opens with hoth and you realize pretty quickly that you're not just seeing a nice icy landscape you're seeing oh there's ATATs. oh shit this is an aerial view of the battle of hoth kelly say and no the AT, more. ats are shooting at the the gun turrets and the, oh, and the bunkers God. give me a break. and 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 you see the the uh uh, the troop transports or the the like the things they keep escaping in, you yeah. know, on Hoth yeah. um, are like kind of yeah, landing. Are and, those yeah, are your transports yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and uh, and it goes from that to other biomes. And there's plenty of room to do more of these. It's 18 minutes long, and it's probably like 
three or four minutes per thing. This sounds like such a fun waste of time for me. It's totally. I put it on with Lori the other day and I was like, I'm just going to click this because I thought it would be so innocuous that I was like, I'll just let it play. Kind of got pulled in. We watched (laughs) every second of it. (laughs) Like looking for it, and then we, and then Laurie started saying like what the names of the animals were that were off <laughs> oh in the distance, God. and it was just really delightful. Laurie, you're a gem. Um, uh, you know what? This uh, you're 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 telling this to a person <laughs> who has gone. I was going to save this for later and just kind of mention it yeah. as a throwaway, but who has gone down the deepest rabbit hole of there's a series of these, and it's probably just a guy in his basement, but he's been doing. They're all just called the beauty of, oh. and he's been doing a series called. The beauty of Lawrence of Arabia, the beauty of Lord of the Rings, the beauty, and mostly it's landscapes and things, but it's really just a series of shots that are edited together with music that's going to pull you in. Oh, that's and great. And there's so many fucking gorgeous movies. Then I you're going to love this. And he's yeah. got the beauty of Stanley Kubrick, you know, where it's just uh-huh. different films for him. And I've probably watched 30 of them, like, in a week, <laughs> you know? So this is actually yeah. the connection of Star Wars in, in addition. So I that sounds great. This man. this type of thing is brilliant. They could keep doing for it. For sure. I would love sounds it. Sounds awesome. Yeah. That's exciting. Um It'd be and fun to work on that. I mean, that totally, like yeah. the most fun fan service because you're just you're kind of like adding to the movies in yeah. a way. You know, you're building the world. I mean, yeah. this is what we talk about. Anyway, you could also edit cool. these into the movies, and it would it would work. You know, oh, man, um, oh, that's exciting. So uh, I'm gonna wrap up TV with saying that uh, Mythic Quest is back for season two. I right. love Mythic Quest. And this, along with Ted Lasso, really makes Apple TV stand out to me. Um, did you get an Apple TV box uh, we yet? Will, we will have Apple TV, the box, uh, on the... Did you tw- order the new one? 22nd. Good for yeah, you, man. New one's coming. I so, think it'll have a free year My with first it. thing is tackling Ted Lasso and, and Mythic Quest. You, you're going to love it. You're going to love it, man. So I'm excited Yeah, I that. also ordered the new one, so I will be getting it also. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think you'll get a year free. Pretty fun. Um, I think we're done with TV. We've been going a while on that, and um, I think we could talk. I don't have a ton of, oh. like, news and trailers. But tell yeah, me, what I've else? got some new stuff I want to talk about. Tell but me. Let me just say this isn't actually TV, but it, it sort of ties into TV. And I didn't mention it with movies. Um, but did you watch Without Remorse with Michael no, B. Jordan? No, it's on my short list. Okay. I'll get to it in the next few days. Yeah. So interesting. I'm going to wait to kind of talk about it because I want to hear yeah. what you think sure, about sure. it. But it definitely the way it ends. You know, all I was thinking, of course, is like, okay, well, when's the crossover going to happen with this mm-hmm. guy being the sort mm-hmm. of gun-toting guy and Jack Ryan being the analyst Analyst, who's running that because obviously that happened in some of the jack ryan movies that were um harrison ford uh you know in that era but it's going to be interesting man they definitely the two characters cross paths yeah and they cross paths in the books and they've crossed paths in the movies before with different actors but um but now now they're both amazon and it's it's kind of like okay it's well, a world clearly that they can, yeah. Michael B. Jordan is hot right now and you know obviously John Krasinski, Krasinski you know big so time. so I'm just anxious for that but I'm gonna wait you see that we'll talk about it at some point no, uh, that's and I great. don't even know you may like it you may not but I'm I'm curious so anyway um I uh, I'm gonna throw out some news that I don't have a ton but. Um, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was cast in Indiana gonna, Jones 5. I was going to bring up Indiana Jones news first off. Which is quite good. I think, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg stepping away from this, and I forget the director that stepped in, but he's good. Uh, uh, Mangold. James Mangold. James Mangold. Yeah. Thing. He's obviously done some great stuff. He did Logan. Right. Um, yes, he did. I think that uh, as time goes on and we – see the casting because it's not just Phoebe Mads Mikkelsen was also cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, also going to bring these him These are wonderful people that and have Bo, Bo, uh, Boyd Hol- Holbrook who was in Logan. 
He was the guy oh. who was going after the girl, the young kind of blonde. So his connection was already with Mangold because he was the third one that got named. Okay, got this it. Guy, and I know he's not as big as the other two, sure. but but he did a great job in Logan. So. That's very fair. Um, I just have some notes. These are quite old notes, by the way. But it says, you know, I, my okay, this is, these are my notes. I'm just going to read it verbatim because my, it. my brain's Do turning it. off. Yeah. It says, <laughs> my prediction, there's absolutely no way she's a love interest or a child of his – I think she's going to be more akin to what Marion was when we met her, a badass who just gets caught up yep. in the story. Uh, I'd like to see her as a fellow archaeologist, maybe from a competing university. Um, and I wrote, let's track the date. It would be 15 years after the last movie, meaning that the last movie took place in 1957, yep. meaning the fourth Indiana Jones, yep. Yep. making the it 1972, one. roughly, if it were coming out you know in the next couple of years which right. it kind of it'll be a 2023 movie most likely right, but right. um and I, but i but i wrote maybe 1969 is a little more appropriate they might fudge the years making it a very specific era making a, a 1969 a very pivotal year for many things um and i'd like to see that i i i think that phoebe and mads are just both very authentic people i just They're don't great. think they are not going to be part of a very authentic movie so that's my my take um same with james mangled um yeah. if if i can say one thing about indiana jones 4 is that along with uh, things like ready player one and all these other spielberg things is that he's just not he's not m making these movies to be um kind of human anymore they're Spielberg very is my all-time favorite spielberg will always be my favorite they're There's very nobody more influential inhuman than me. they're very like yes. robotic and not you know and it's not to say that all of his recent work hasn't felt you know good uh you know but it i don't know it's just it whereas you have somebody like mangold who took a, a, a kind of like a failing x-men franchise and made the most human installment of it right you know so listen I, spielberg's I, yeah. the greatest spielberg's the goat he's the greatest of all time he's the patrick you know, always me. feels he has to and put in this disclaimer yeah, yeah. but but <laughs> for when well, spielberg well, this, listens this isn't to this. even this isn't even any image well i want him to come on the show <laughs> yeah, okay yeah, yeah. but and we this isn't even <laughs> this isn't even uh uh, uh, really a knock on him because if you're around for 30 years and you're making great films which is what he did yeah he's been around longer that's longer than anyone should be making great films sure uh, but there's a reason Quentin Tarantino's always talked about walking away after 10 because at a certain yeah. point and Spielberg uh, quite simply is imitating Spielberg at this point. You know what I mean? Like he, he's doing his best version of Spielberg, but it's like, he's no longer, you know, still, he, he you know, he's no longer in top form. Doesn't right. mean he's not good. You know, yeah. he, he's fantastic, but that has nothing to do with this Indiana Jones stuff. So many thoughts. <laughs> Kelly, go get a drink. I'm going to talk to the people. Um, first thing I wanted to say is that, uh, when I read about Phoebe, the first thing I thought was, you know, um, she would be perfect in a 1930s. She's the British archeologist that shows up. She's witty. She's blah, 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 blah. Clearly it's not going to be then because obviously it would be awesome if it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. And she, I can see her in, in the that outfit era yeah, doing yeah. that. And it kind of makes me sad that it's not going to be that. No. Uh, Mads is always great and yeah. you know, I'm sure he's the villain, but whatever he is, I'm, I'm up for that. Right. Um, I will not be fooled uh, into thinking that now this is going to be great um, <laughs> just because they're making really good choices, right? Because, I don't know. because when, when they were reading off the casting you know, for uh, Star Wars and Force Awakens and all these things, I'm, it's not that they're not making really good choices. It's just, you know, I'm like, okay, and, and, and yet 
Harrison uh, will be an 80-year-old action star, and we'll see where that is. And people say, well, maybe he'll take a step back. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't really want Indiana Jones to take a step back uh, and be sort of the supporting guy. <laughs> I will be there. I'll be there front row, obviously. I'm very curious. Yeah. Um, I'm just – all I'm saying is I'm not getting my hopes up. One thing I want to say, you were just saying, you know, what era are we in? What, what year will we be? Um, the funniest thing I've read so far, uh, somebody on – I'm on an Indiana Jones fan page – uh, on Facebook, and somebody had written, okay, so Indiana Jones was born in 1899. We learned that from the Chronicles of Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which I watched top to bottom twice. Um, if you want to see Indiana Jones, it's sometimes good and sometimes not. Right. Uh, that's a good series for you. Uh, so if he's born in 1899, and we just stuck clearly to Harrison Ford's age, he is now 78. Right. That would put this movie in 1977, making it the movie where Indiana Jones could effectively go and see Star Wars in the theaters so uh, all all i'm saying is if indy sits down for star wars in 1977 (laughs) that will explode my brain that would be so Um, weird yeah god they they won't do that no never but um but i am i am curious um you know they're doing it now regardless so obviously you hope for the best and i hope it's great i don't know julia roberts played julia roberts in oceans 12 so (laughs) and we all know that that was the best choice anybody ever made part of that movie movie. that was definitely not too bad yeah that was um, the best. I'm um, going to wrap up. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, okay, last yeah. thing. Go last ahead, thing ahead. to say. Um, I read a, a, a fun article. Uh, it was in Variety, uh, and it was about Indiana Jones. And again, this is a while ago because we haven't talked yeah. in a while. Um, and I just want – there's a little snippet that I saved and took a screenshot sure. of. And they talked about how we were going to return Indiana Jones to the screen at this time. And then there was a pushback on that. And then they couldn't decide on the script, so there was a pushback on that. Then Steven Spielberg took a step back. Mangold came in. Then the COVID pushed it back. Oh, right. Indy was already old. And it said, <laughs> he said, it is now set to open on July 29th, 2022. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones famously quips, it's not the years, it's the mileage. But underneath that, the, the writer wrote, but maybe it's the years too. And that is, that's the last thing I want to say on, on this podcast. It struck a chord with I, I me. Think, I felt yeah. like that's a, that's a fair statement. Yeah. I love Harrison. I hope it's great. We'll see. We will see. Um, I'm going to wrap up news with just a couple of movie theater things. Um, unfortunately, the Arclight movie theater chain, which uh, has a few locations oh, yeah, in yeah. LA is, is likely never reopening. They, um, they kind of closed all their doors. They said, we're done. We no longer can function. Uh, no one really knows why. Uh, I mean, we know why in the big picture, but you have a, a lot of other movie chains, especially small boutique movie chains like this that were able to weather it for, you know, you get loans, yeah. you do whatever yeah. you need to do for COVID a lot of, and for whatever reason, they are unable to come back. And that's really a bummer. Obviously there are worse things in the world, but, um, but in our movie world, um, yeah. that is that is yeah. a huge bummer. This is a movie podcast. So we're um, yeah, about. exactly. But the um, the uh, couple of good news things is that the Alamo Drafthouse LA, which Alamo theaters filed Chapter 11 and they're still back. You know, know. like they figured out how to restructure during COVID and are reopening. They've already reopened a lot of their theaters. My brother just went <clears> to his <throat> first movie back in a the theater. It was at cool. the Alamo in Raleigh. Nice. So excited. I mean, Alamo is just a wonderful chain, and and they yeah, have no the business best. going anywhere. Uh, yeah. There's, I mean, I would invest. <laughs> you know, if yep. Um, yep. Alamo is reopening in LA on May 28th, and then the new Beverly Quinn's Theater that we love so dearly uh, is reopening June 1st. Which Hell yeah. um, today is May 16th. I think somewhere between tomorrow, May 17th, and Friday. 
of this week, we're going to see uh, theaters or excuse me, tickets be available. And I plan on trying to go as oh, soon man. as. Yeah. That so so great. If uh, I don't know what your schedule's like, but they're doing once upon a time in Hollywood for some of those first days back. Um, I would absolutely get a few tickets if I could. I so, would go back to that. Um, yeah. All right. Well, then I'll I'll count you in. <laughs> Anybody who's listening that um, wants to go, just call <laughs> yeah, us. Absolutely. Eight hundred movie six. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that's it for news. Um, I, we could talk a little bit about trailers and upcoming movies. Uh, yeah, I've got some miscellaneous shit. I yeah, don't know go where ahead. it falls into I, that I kind of wanted to mention um, just since last time. I think just, now is a perfectly fine okay. point in time, yeah. Good deal. So if you're um, you know, just scrolling around, um, there is a uh, – it's it's called like – I guess it's like called, just called Dream Teams, um, and it's a variety thing, but they put them out on YouTube, and they're just little clips. Uh-huh. And they recently had Daniel Craig and Mads Mikkelsen. Cool basically talking about Casino Royale. Oh, yeah. Talking about that scene and everything. And I watched it, and yeah. they're talking specifically about the torture scene, yeah. in which case I learned that at one point the chair did break on a swing, to which point, you know, the tor- obviously the torture device is to... Hit him in the balls. Daniel Craig, yeah, in the manhood. And then suddenly he was in threat of being hit in the manhood. They talked about how he's like, you know, there's a moment there where you're like, I hope he knows I'm not acting when I say, <laughs> wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. But um, it's just a, if you're a James Bond fan or, or you just want to watch something that kind of, like we talked about, just it's a nice little warm to your heart. Mm-hmm. They're obviously, they really like each other. They're very complimentary about each other. The other thing I took away from it was Matt's just talking about how, or Craig talking about, you know, you're just so cool and you're so calm all the time. And that is what kind of what he gives off. Yeah. And he talked about how, and you know, on that movie, because it's the pressure of being James Bond and the first James Bond, everybody already hates you. You're the blonde Bond. He's like, you were incapable. He's talking about Craig of just chilling out. Like we tried to get you to come out and have a beer. And, and Craig admits, he's like, you know, I just, I could not do it at yep. that point. He's like, right. I wouldn't have been able to go out right. and have a good time with you guys. I was oh. all work the entire time. But obviously, I mean, to me, that's as good a Bond film as it was ever made. Yep. Um, and yep. so, you know, the, the work that they put out uh, ended up coming back around. But worth checking out uh, if you want to see that one. The other thing, we may have talked about this at some point. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Um, Mary Ellen Trainer. So she, Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. Die Hard, she's Gail Wallen. She's the one oh. who's in both of those, right? The psychologist and Lethal I knew her Weapon. name, but yeah, go ahead. So then you probably won't know this. What I never realized, even though I always put that together, and I was like, oh, she's in both of right. these right. weirdly late 80s cop Similar action movies that are great. Position, uh, um, she's roles. also uh, in Goonies. She's a mom in Goonies. Oh. What I didn't realize is that's Robert Zemeckis' first wife. No shit. So she pops up in a lot of his movies in small roles. She is in Forrest Gump. She is the um, uh, babysitter who brings little Forrest in when Forrest Gump finally goes back to Jenny and realizes he has a kid. She's like, I'm double parked. I got to go. No problem. That's I'll her? See. That's her. Holy shit. In 94. So they eventually got divorced. Yeah. Sadly, she's passed away at this point. But she is actually in three different films that have been selected for the National Film Registra- uh, Registry. For cultural significance, she's in The Goonies, she's in Die Hard, she's in Forrest Gump. Right. That doesn't even include Lethal Weapon. Right, right. Anyway, none of this is relevant to anything other than I, I read all this stuff and I was like, I got to tell Kelly about this. Yeah. And anyone else I would have never fan, known that about her. Yeah. It's interesting to have kind of a small career, yeah. but being but that being many different. significant. It just blew my mind, yeah. man. I, I, I would have never thought about that, even though we've talked about this before. Sure. Realizing she's in Die Hard and Lethal Weapon is such an interesting thing. The other thing is another a uh, podcast series that I've listened to uh, back and forth that I've told you about is called The Rewatchables. Right. They're doing action movies at this point, and they're really covering kind of the 
80s when action movies as we knew it sort of became their own genre. We had action stars like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sly Stallone and Bruce yep. Willis and people. So they were covering with the weapon. They claimed, and they said this was researched, that at, at certain points, Bruce Willis had been up for, I guess it makes sense at the time, for Martin Riggs, and Mel Gibson had been up for uh, John McClane. Okay, yeah. So there's this weird parallel universe they're talking sure. about where these guys are opposite. And I thought about that, and I was like, obviously, th- they got cast correctly, uh-huh. right? But when you think about the fact that like Die Hard 3 was going to be a Lethal Weapon script and the way these things cross over each other, right. then you think about the fact that the actors could have been in the opposite movies. I don't think Bruce could have pulled off Riggs. No. Like, I, I think Mel, not nearly as good, I think Mel could have pulled off John McClane at that time. Right. I agree. I, I think that's the way it could have worked. I, I definitely don't think it would be as good. I think, and I I think, think it comes it down to personality and comedy. And Bruce, yeah. uh, Bruce has had, uh, d- you know, dabbled in that, but he's generally right. not. Um, yeah. Fucking. Uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. But it was interesting. And thinking about both of those movies, the other thing I just thought about was, you know, Die Hard, as good as like Lethal Weapons, incredible, incredible series to me. So sure. entertaining as far as fun action cop movies. So is Die Hard. Die Hard really has had two of like the great action villains ever. I don't know that Lethal Weapon has had any. I mean, Jet Li is like in the fourth one is like just this force of nature, right? Yeah. It's like we were all like, oh, <laughs> Kung Fu, like yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. And in 98, as weird as that may sound, that was like. It was. You weren't used it to. was. Yeah, new. Um, but in terms of just acting, I mean, between Jeremy Irons um, and Alan Rickman, it's like there's no, there's no. I think comparison. Jeremy Irons doesn't get the credit for it, but I, I genuinely love him as that villain. He's so yeah, good. he's like so top and, notch. And uh, uh, again, he's he's on a run of. You talk about two different kinds of movies, but playing a villain, he had been Scar in Lion King the year oh, before, yeah. and that's like just two all time yeah. great different kinds of villains. Um, but the the only other thing I wanted to mention about this, and I know this stuff is not really relevant to right now, right. but um, with Lethal Weapon, um, they they talked about how, and I didn't, I've never really thought about this. You know, Lethal Weapon is there's a lot of there's a lot more background than you would think you would have gotten because they talked about you know this is a buddy cop film. It's almost a reinvention of Forty Eight Hours. I don't know if you've seen Forty Eight Hours, but actually, they actually no, they I know what did is, Lethal but... Weapon before Lethal Weapon. It's just that. Lethal Weapon did it in a way that one had sequels, ended up yeah. being culturally relevant longer, uh, whereas 48 Hours and other 48 Hours kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> but also, instead of just introducing these two characters and their opposites, and that's where everything's coming from, you know, like, it, you right. know, oh, they're, you know, black and white, and there's, you know, diff- there's different aspects to them. One's suicidal, one's the family guy, all these things, one older, one's younger. What really like adds another layer to Lethal Weapon, um, and again, this isn't my thoughts. These are things that were presented, but I think it's it's true. There's so much Vietnam background in that yeah. movie, and you know, normally you just okay, and he was in the war, and then you move on. You know, this idea of the villains being kind of connected to the cops, and that they were there too, uh-huh. and this idea of Mel being this this really this weapon like like Rambo. Really, what was the spinoff? Uh, it's not really a spinoff, but the of Lethal Weapon that they mention. Um, sorry, sorry, they. God damn it! About him in the war. Oh, you're talking about his the the group. That yeah, he's, what he's is in? that called? Um, it's about oh, the plane 
isn't Robert Downey in that movie with him? Or uh, you're, are you talking about Air America? Air America, yeah, right, right, right. Which around the same time, the 1990, where they're the because pilots. he mentions Air America in Lethal Weapon, doesn't he? Oh man, I think I he does. does he? It's, I think See, it's I a direct reference to that's, that. That's fine. Yeah, that's almost I like think, Maverick where he pulls down it's Danny Glover. Very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> down, down, I'm not saying starts. a real right. spinoff, but it, I think. I think they're tied together in a I gotcha. an I gotcha. inside a way. Of a yeah, nice yeah. little crossover there. World building. But thing. it's just it's interesting to me that like they're they're dealing with the trauma of this stuff and also in a weird way and this is a credit to Shane Black, you know, when you're coming out of Vietnam where everything was so drab and the movies were that way and there were mm-hmm. more social commentary, and then you hit that 80s era where everybody was so ready to feel good about America again. Yep. That now your Vietnam movie is John Rambo going back into Vietnam and getting our guys who yeah. are still there like, and uh, we're heroes again. And it's and you've got a great villain because the Soviets or drugs, if you're in the you know the not international, but you're on just a national national scale. Um, now you've got you know these villains that are very clear cut. Okay, cocaine is bad. We've got the war on drugs. Yeah. It does bad things. And it's just interesting that they, they use this platform. They springboard off of something that's very complex. And then you end up having just these very black and white cowboys. You've got people who've come back with the same scars. Mm-hmm. One group that's gone this way. One group that's gone that way. I don't know. I'm, I'm not arguing that Lethal Weapon is fucking Shakespeare here. But it, it just made me – it started my wheels turning. And I was like, man, it doesn't need all that to it's work. Far, but there's yeah. a lot more to it than Deeper it needed than to it. have. Yeah. And it's just interesting to me. Die Hard, which I consider a superior action film and maybe probably the greatest action film that. ever, it doesn't, doesn't have any of that to, yeah, behind yeah. and underneath layers and right. stuff. And then the second one does the same thing in, in kind of rounding it out with his wife mm-hmm. and these South Africans who end up being the people who have mm-hmm. murdered her. You think it's just a death. So there's just a lot more backstory and layers underneath Lethal Weapon than there ever needed to be, and I hadn't really thought about it that way, right. and it got my wheels turning. Just I'm going to be rewatching all the Lethal Weapons soon. I think Lori hasn't seen them. I forget. Oh, I think wow. she says yeah. she hasn't seen yeah. them, so um, so I will keep all that in mind. It's cool. Um, I think uh, let me mention just a couple of things that are upcoming. Uh, firstly, this uh, new movie on HBO Max, I'm going to probably watch tonight or tomorrow. Uh, Those who wish me dead, yeah, uh, is from Taylor Sheridan. I tend to like everything he does. That's what um, my brother actually saw. Oh, um, really? That's in, what he went to the, the movie Alamo, for? Yeah, because yeah. it was at the theaters too. And um, he said, "Great movie." Nice. That's all he gave me. I mean, Taylor Sheridan makes great stuff. Everything he's been a part of, I've either really liked or absolutely loved. Right. Um, right. And he it doesn't always have the same role. Sometimes he's a producer. Sometimes he's a writer-director or just a writer, you know, um, but all great. Um, right we, got a, we got a new season of Master of None in a week. Uh, oh, we, I didn't realize that. Yeah, in uh, May, May 23rd. Um, so they've been filming. They figured out a way to film, I suppose, during I, Master of None. Like the last season was in like Italy or something. So yeah, um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I, I don't. We don't even know what this season is. Right. Um, we're getting a Friends reunion <laughs> in yeah. about a week, which is or so two. funny how polarizing that's become. There are people that are so excited, and there Whatever. are people who just want to shit on Friends all the time online. Yeah. That's all they want to do. But um, it's I'll, just I'll something it. to watch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, we get Loki in a couple of weeks. A few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get June 16th. We get Dave season two. I'm very excited for That's, that. Yeah. Number one for me. Holy shit. Um, June 20th. We get Rick and Morty. 
Um, and, oh, man, uh, yeah, tough. so there's just some fun stuff, uh, you know, coming up, uh, stranger things Four just put out a trailer. Um, that's cool. Venom two put out a trailer. That's oh, looks really that looks better than the first yeah, one from the trailer. trailer. Um, because the first one's so clunky, but like weirdly fun and awesome who at does, the same time. The voice of Venom in his head. Uh, he does. That's also Tom Hardy. I'm almost sure he Hardy. does the voice. It's incredibly he really dense. just keeps knocking shit out of the, the park. It, the the voice is so it's so comedic. Wild. Like when he in the trailer, when he's standing there and she's like, We didn't get the chocolates in, and he's like, Oh, we will eat Mrs. Chuck. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. that moment, which is so what? stupid, <laughs> but just made me yes, laugh so yes. hard. I don't know. It that that's crazy No, I'm I'm him. almost sure that's him. Yeah. Wow. Um good for him. So yeah. Um, I, uh, unless you have anything before, I want to do our Rotten Tomatoes scores. Last thing. Uh, yeah, go Right ahead. before we get to Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Jess and I were lucky enough. There was a, um, uh, just a Zoom online where uh, it was for charity and it was a friend of ours that actually had the link and they uh, were interviewing. It was like Star Wars themed. So they were interviewing Mark Hamill actually came online cool. and talked to everybody and they brought in a bunch of different people, but they had Frank Oz on cool. for a short time and we only caught a section of it. He's, a, 30, he's a king. Minutes. It was so interesting to hear him talk about it. There's just one thing I wanted to mention. He said, he was like, you know, we, we built everything. We got everything ready for Yoda. I knew I was going to be in it. We knew what the character was going to be like. Right. And we had taken so much time. This is going to track with anything, George Lucas, that you've ever heard. But right. we had taken so much time to build kind of the set and get everything ready. You know, I came in and I was just like, you know, George, we haven't talked about this character at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I know what's in the script. Like, I've read it, and I get the general idea, yeah, yeah. and I, I can do the, you know, but, like, we literally haven't had one conversation. I'm about to and puppet this thing, on. and I don't, yeah, yeah. and he said, you know, what do you want to do? And George looked at me, and he smiled, and he said, Frank, just make it wonderful. <laughs> And I will never forget that story, and I hope that's word for word the way it happened. But that's the way Frank well, told he it. He did, and because yeah. Frank Oz is like one of our great talents, Incredible. like, yeah. but you know, on another planet. But um, that was the origin of Yoda. It was literally somebody getting out of the way and saying, God "Go damn. to it, man! Yeah. And, just and do man, something great." So that's the last thing I got. Well, there's so something we, beautiful about trusting your performers to just like do the thing you know that they're capable. Of. Because like George Lucas isn't a puppeteer; he's not a nor he's is he not a, a performer. Guy. Yeah, mean, he, <laughs> he can't write the, you know. There are all these stories. Right? Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, There's Harrison so. Ford saying where he's like, hey, hey, just do it the way I wrote it. And they're like, well, it's hard to do. And he's like, it's right there. It's on the page. Just just do that. And so he's like, George doesn't understand. Sometimes it takes a while for an actor to get there. Anyway, it just That's made me very laugh. Good, I yeah. to share it. Um, well, this is a, a Rotten Tomatoes list that we weren't really able to get deep into because uh, Wrath of Man is a movie that I quite liked, but I'm not going to talk any more about it because you're going to see right, it and you right. want to uh, have a fresh fresh take on it. But in watching it and and trying to understand why Lander didn't like it, um, I was reciting all the Guy Ritchie movies and oh, why boy. why I you know I for the most part don't like them. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right, right. Um, but right. then you know, looking at this list, I'm like, he really hasn't made that movie, many movies. He made. So uh, we're going to do Guy Ritchie movies, but there are three that I left off because I never saw them. That's not a oh, reason okay. to leave them okay. off because I don't know. Maybe you saw these, but I'm under the impression these are the ones that no one thinks about of his. Can you tell me the three even though we won't? Yes. Go into those on the they list? are swept away. Okay. I have re- actually seen Revolver. Them. Okay. All right. And like Rock them. and Rolla. Okay. I have um, seen these. But. They are the ones that fit 
because most people consider Guy Ritchie uh, from Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. Those are kind of back-to-back, 98 and 2000. And then those three I just listed, he does immediately following. Um, every two years, 2002, 2005, 2008, uh, or two to three years. And then we start again with his more well-known stuff with Sherlock Holmes right, and everything right. that has come since. Big marketable stuff. If so, you like Guy Ritchie stuff, yeah. then Rock and Roller and Revolver, you, you should see him. Like if you're okay. like, oh, I'm a Guy Ritchie fan. If you're not, there's absolutely no reason to see them. Swept Away is a completely different thing. Right. That's like the That's movie Madonna for Madonna, Madonna, his yeah. girlfriend right, at right, the right. time, or his I, baby. I get that that wasn't probably it, and, on and the I, level for and him. And I can't yeah. tell you how um, I can't tell you how insignificant that movie is. <laughs> I don't. I don't, don't okay, want to. I mean, I like I, look, man. I'm going to sound. Like, I, there's no way not to sound like an asshole, but it's yeah. just like. You know, you go to your grave, you never saw Swept Away, which is, by the way, a remake of another movie that, you know, again, you could see or not. But at least if you saw the original, you'd be seeing something. I don't know. So that's how I feel about that one. No, that's good. Um, Well, maybe we could do those other two. Uh, You know, I just I'll find whatever. We really don't Um, have to. What are uh, what are your thoughts on Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, 1998? So, I mean, I remember this being obviously the big, hot, new thing. This was like the the new hot shit, you know, like this is the style. This is what we want. Where did this come? from yeah. this is totally yeah so i mean in in my mind I, i'm i'm thinking i would say we what do we do critics and then audiences oh uh, yeah critics it? first and then audiences so i would say that critics rated this movie i'll say a 90 okay and i'm gonna say audiences gave this movie an 88 75 <laughs> And 93. So you're pretty close from audiences. So audiences, yeah, I thought, so critics weren't wild about this. I mean, 75 is good. It's not amazing. It's good, but it's not. See, I'm I'm thinking in the mode of like Pulp Fiction Blowing me away. Yeah, Yeah. and the critics were all like, this is the new thing. Fair enough. That's my memory of it, but I guess I'm off on that. Um, Well, let's see what Snatch is. Snatch, okay, so if that was a 75, I think, okay, Snatch, I'm going to say 75. I'm going to stay right in the same range. Sure. Um, and for audiences, or I'm sorry, yeah, critics, 75. For audiences, I'm going to say for Snatch higher, I'm going to say 94. Now you're getting it. 73 and 93. So okay. almost nailed it. I remember people, yeah. you know, you got on board with Guy Ritchie, yep. and then they threw in Brad Pitt. And, and then like, oh, he's so funny. Look like, what he's doing. Uh, now we're, yeah, we're yeah, into it. I remember it. loving Snatch in college. Um I was kind of an idiot. I still am, <laughs> but but I do remember loving it. I haven't seen it in a long time. But okay, um, that's fair. Uh, let's do let's do the other two. What's what do you think about Revolver two thousand five? Revolver. If audi- if critics gave seventies, I'm going to say for Revolver, critics say sixty six, and I'm going to say audiences say uh, seventy seven. <laughs> oh. <ooh. laughs> Fifteen. Oh my god. <laughs> and fifty-six. Oh my god. What a dip. It was it was hard for me to even I was like, wait, am I looking at the right thing? Did yeah, I click no, on no, the wrong no, movie? That's... Wow. Um, no. So I fifteen wow. and fifty six. I thought a dip, but that, that's what, another What level. a dip. That's a serious dip. Yeah, they were over um, it by two movies they, in. They you know, absolutely I turned actually on got a little over it. Uh, but anyway. I mean, that's kind of the point of doing this list is to see at what point were we over it and did we ever get not over it? Did the we ever come back from being not over it? Not over it? But, okay, um, that's fair. Um, so then let's look at uh, Rock and Rolla. Well, Jesus Christ. Um, rock and Rolla, I guess I'll, I'll say 20. 
And uh, I, I guess so I'll confusing. Say, I guess I'll say twenty and forty-five. I'm going off of the last ones we got. Sixty and seventy-one. Okay, I, I don't so. understand Revolver and Rock and Roller being so far apart. Okay, yeah, but I don't but know. again, I saw them both once. Right, never gave them another thought. Um, but I don't understand them being that far apart. But whatever. Uh, then after, right after Rock and Roller, he does Sherlock Holmes. Okay, Sherlock Holmes. I feel like I think less of than general audience i was not a big fan of that it, at all they're either. fine yeah. they're just uh, fine there's just, nothing bad about them but they're just fine yeah. um and i like robert denny jr but i'd rather see him as iron man anyway right um okay so sherlock holmes critics i'm gonna say gave it a 65 and audiences gave it a 80 so close 69 and 77 okay um and then Seems you go right. right into the sequel Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. Um, I'm going to say a little lower, so I'm going to say 60 and 72. Very good. 59 and 77. Um, And then uh, 2015, he makes The Man from Uncle, which I remember really liking a lot. This is one that I absolutely loved. I still stand by. I I, I should probably watch it again. I still love it. I I love the stylized. I love everything about it. And I remember people not liking it as much as I did at the time. And it didn't make enough money. Um, So I will say critics for Man from Uncle said 60, I'll say 65. And audiences said 72. God, you're good. 68, 73. That, so that, close. I, I will never understand what people didn't dig about didn't that. Didn't like that. Because, yeah. because I, yeah. I, and again, I just admitted, Agent Carter, I'm, just, I I'm a fool for this spy stuff. People think but, this stuff is boring. Yeah, they do, I guess. Which is, uh, sorry, Lander, but I think that was kind of your complaint about Wrath of Man was just like, well, not enough happened. And that's mm. that's me doing Lander voice. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound like a puppet. No, no, no. No, um, no I, I, uh, I just, I think that there is a disconnect with what people expect from a movie and what yeah, yeah. what could possibly happen that's true. in a movie you Listen, know, nowadays. <laughs> I almost got in a fight at Adam's Bar. Oh, really? I saw for the first time nice. in Colorado. Not really. What I say, what I almost <laughs> yeah, got in yeah, a fight yeah. is I sat and thought about, thought about fighting a guy and right. never said a word to him. <laughs> but he was over in the corner talking yeah. to a couple of people, and, I, and this is what I overheard. And fortunately, I was able to lock eyes with Adam, and he was just as disgusted as he I was. He rolled his eyes. Okay. This guy, and this guy is, according to Adam, a movie fan. Right. And he said, you know... Nothing happens in The Godfather. They talk too much and it's boring. Yeah, right. And I just remember thinking, sure. and you're talking about at least two of the greatest films ever made. Right. I don't know how to explain to you that things are going if on. If you, you don't have to, get it or if you don't, if, if it doesn't connect with you automatically without anybody telling you why, then then yeah that's the problem is the lack of connection it doesn't mean you can't you can't start ridiculing the it's content movie you you have yeah it that's you can't such a say disconnect. that about something that so many people who are intelligent see something in that the proof is in the pudding right when something has been talked about and sustained to me it's like just say you know what i like action movies yeah and so that is boring right. to me. Like a, like a slow uh, drama. Yeah, I don't a like slow that. burn throughout. Yeah, family if, drama. If you a downfall. think you like slow dramas and then don't like The Godfather, that's a that's whole different. other thing. Yeah. I'm kind of 
curious about yeah anyway, what's wrong with you at it that made point. it made me want to um, <laughs> jump out of a, a window or throw somebody out of one but anyway sure i don't want to get us um off let's see where do we leave off uh king arthur legend of the sword man this was a steamy pile i, I am a big arthur fan i'll watch anything sure the yeah. reason i went to this movie even when the trailers didn't sell me on anything is right. because i was like you know i love king arthur i love the myth right um i think critics gave king arthur i'll be surprised if i'm wrong i think critics gave it like a 25 and i think audiences gave it like a like a 40 a uh, good guess 30 from critics and 69 from audiences Higher it just goes to show these these big dumb action movies people just will like them no matter what you i just what, the, i don't think they're ever gonna you're get you're absolutely number. right this is worth and this is probably the guy who didn't like godfather probably thought great sword fights yeah i love it um yeah. and i say that as a guy who, who <laughs> likes episode one nearly sure. because of lightsaber fight you know what I mean? like i don't like it but i'm like well it's a redeeming value got some fun so there. i'm not even saying i'm not in for that stuff but right the problem with king arthur more than any of these other movies you're naming yeah there's no uh, narrative, there's no basis for a movie that is less, um, I don't want to say qualified, that, that less naturally fits into Guy Ritchie's style than fucking King Arthur. <laughs> okay, like, right. Like, you, you tell me we're going to do this gangster, early 2000s, late 90s, stylized fucking... Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, you know, yeah. like, it'd be like Tarantino doing Pulp Fiction style with Knights on Horses. Right. And it's like... All right, I guess if you got that completely or Star right, Trek. people would be like, "Yeah, okay, all right, hey, fair, fair point." But I sci-fi, I could see more for. You're right; they're in the same plane. Yeah. I can still see sci-fi with Guy Ritchie more than medieval. Okay. It was just a yeah, yeah. weird marriage, man. Right. They never belong together. But that's totally fair. Well, what do you think about the marriage of him and like Disney musicals? Because oh, next up is Aladdin. Oh my God! I forgot that was him. <laughs> Oh, his, think, his highest grossing movie by far. I obviously. think we left Aladdin. I think Jess was as angry as I've ever seen her <laughs> live in a movie. And Aladdin is Good her you, shit. Jess. I mean, Aladdin loves. I mean, Jess. Aladdin loves Jess. Jess loves Aladdin. Right. The way I will talk about Star Wars, but um, right. the original. Right. But again, I think audiences liked it. I, I'm going to say critics gave Aladdin in the 60s. I think critics gave Aladdin a, like a 62. I think audiences probably gave it like a. 78. Well, I'm, I'm happy that critics are even lower at 57. Good. <clears throat> but it is Guy Ritchie's highest audience score at 94%. You have got to Isn't see. that weird? So maybe I'm the weird one, man. Maybe no, I'm no, even you're not weird. I, talking about so this. I went in with such low expectations for Aladdin because I knew I didn't like Guy Ritchie or at least modern Guy Ritchie. I, I knew that it was going to be bad. And then you watch it and and there were elements of it that I was that I found enjoyable that I enjoyed, yeah. and yeah. I remember leaving and thinking, "Well, it was better in some ways than I thought, but it is without saying that it's bad." Yeah. Yet it has a ninety-four percent audience score, and as I, if ninety-four percent of people loved it. And do these people not watch the original Latin? Because to me, <laughs> it's not just the movie itself; it's when you are taking a movie that is made and you are remaking it, yeah. inevitably, you have to compare them. Like, right. I, it, it, I'm sorry. It's just it's like if a Star Wars sequel is disappointing to me. Sure, it may have stood on its own as a movie because it's well made, but in the context of you are part of a series, yeah. it's different. My grade is going to be different because there is a certain standard that you yes, are building on. Correct. So with Aladdin, I'm just like, this is not just me being a kid, man. I don't really care about Little Mermaid because that's that was always more of a girl's story to me. Right. But Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, 
are incredibly solid uh, animated films. Yes, they are, everybody is firing on all cylinders, and they're yes. just really well made. I watched Pocahontas as a kid. That was also in my era, and it wasn't that good. Right. It's not that I can't separate, oh, you grew up with that. I just When I think about Aladdin that was made in Robin Williams and the talent that he brought yeah. and the music no in that question. and the, just yeah. the classic stuff, and then I think about Will Smith, who I love, yeah. being the genie in this one and right. just what this was. I do not understand it's that rough. score. It's that really might be rough. the weirdest score yeah. that I've ever <laughs> that you've ever given well, me. Well, I mean, they're me they're in, in incredibly different from each other. I mean, yeah, critics really and audience, are. it's it's his highest <sighs> one. Um, I don't know. And then you know, luckily, the next year he comes out with the Gentleman, which is more of a return Hell to yeah. his roots, which I quite enjoyed. I, I don't it. remember how much I liked it because it is now relevant to compare the Gentleman to Wrath of Man. Um, in terms of, right. you know, they're recent and blah, blah, blah. Um, but what do you think, the gentleman? Uh, I don't think anybody liked it as much as me, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to say uh, critics, I will say, I will say critics 72, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say audiences 75. Good guess is 75 and 84. So I'm fine with that. It's, it's, that feels right to yeah. me. That feels totally yeah. where those numbers should be. I totally accept that not all critics are going to like it. Um, and I accept that most people are going to like it. But um, right on. then Wrath of Man is kind of interesting. These numbers are obviously a little skewed because it's a relatively new mu- movie and there's not yeah. quite as many yeah. reviews. But let's just, you know, what do you, what do you, well, what are your guesses? Yeah, for this one, I'll have I know no you basis because I, I haven't know, read I know. anything worth yeah. seeing it. But, um, uh, based on the trailer yep. and what the trailer is, yeah. um, I will I will go critics back in the 60s. I'll say critics gave it a 65, and I'm going to say audiences gave it a 78. So 67 from critics, okay. which I'm kind of like, well, okay, that's that a seems, bummer. That seems but right to me, though, for critics. Like what this, this is what's important to me. Audience score, 91. Oh, yeah. okay. And uh, that tracks to me because I think the more that I think about it, I might, I mean, I haven't seen Snatch and Lockstock in so long. I saw them probably once when they came out. Yeah. And I was probably too young. I granted that I did, I watched Snatch a couple of times in like high school, college, right. you know, time. It was popular. But um, I think The Wrath of Man might be my favorite movie of his. Hey. Um, and without getting, I'm not going to give anything away, but there are elements of it that are very reminiscent to me of Michael Mann. And I love Michael Mann. That is what I thought about with the trailer. Oh, did you? Simply okay. because of heat and the armored cars. It feels stuff, but... very heat. Okay. And, and, and yes, obviously there are elements of it that are. You're not comparing it to heat. Robert, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm not, it's not purely from the you. aesthetics of the armored car and everything, but there are elements of the tone and the grit of it and then kind of naturalistic uh fighting and not gore but um violence right. like naturalistic violence and um that i i quite liked well um, however i end up feeling about it i won't think that's a crazy take simply because right. i they're, they're, look i'm a i like guy richie i like his movies but there's simply nothing that he's made that's so good that i would be like how can you like wrath of man better than that it's just he just he's made some good movies he's made some movies that aren't good I don't know that he's ever made a great movie, right, um, right. but the point is, it's not like you saying, I like the remake of Aladdin better than the original <laughs> no, Aladdin, because the there's no basis for me to be like, well, how could you like Wrath of Man? So I'm curious to see it, but I don't know yet um, what I think about By it. By the way, the numbers for Swept Away are 5 <laughs> and 28. <laughs> and you know what? Neither of those to me are crazy. Right. It completely tracks. Um, that movie's a mess. Sure. Uh, but, you know, look, the man made a movie for his girlfriend. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Did you ever uh, see the it. BMW movie that he he directed her in? Also, yeah, it's called Star. Yeah, yeah. I, 
actually it's, did. That's a fun little short so, film. Yeah, it's, the, look like it up said, on YouTube. It's just called Star. And and, yeah. and what he should have made with Madonna are shorts like right, that. Right. I mean, that's just what like they fun music done. video type yeah. stuff. Yeah, would have been yeah. great. They, they would have been good. I mean, he. There, no one can argue that he he has style and he understands visual storytelling. Right. I mean, whether it's my preference on style or not, it's not like Guy Ritchie doesn't know how to make a movie. He's not Tommy no, no, Wiseau. He, he totally knows. But yeah. it's just his stuff is very stylized and of one kind of standard, and you either like that or you don't. So, um, And again, I think it works for a certain genre. I'm curious to see the action thing. He's toned I think it works down for the over-stylized stuff significantly because right. I, I, didn't, I didn't remember the gentleman being super stylized. And right. this feels even less stylized. It's okay. stylized in maybe some storytelling ways, but not in visual ways. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I can't wait till you see it and let me know. Well, yeah. Um, I think that's all soon. I've got. That uh, is the end of my notes. Yeah. Well, hell, man. If we reach, I don't even end, have. I don't <laughs> even have a, a hidden gem. I do, oh, I, don't. I do have some okay. hidden gems to rattle off. Go for I, it. I just wanted. There's one other thing. Again, these things are totally random. Um, but I wanted to read this just because I spotted it. It's been a while since we've been together. Yeah. Somebody wrote on the you know the overheard LA account. On <laughs> yeah. Instagram. Somebody wrote. I just really related to this. They said she has twenty two thousand likes on a picture of a gourmet donut, and I can't get anybody to read my fucking script. <laughs> and it just felt good to read and laugh, and also to to share it because it is it's a crazy world, and um and these yeah. kind of things do happen. So um. As far as uh, Hidden Gems, let's see. Uh, we talked about Lethal Weapon. I already covered that. Oh, one other thing I wanted to bring up before we get to Hidden Gems. Um, there's another podcast uh, that, I, that I've listened to some, and I may have talked to you about on the pod, pod before, um, called Movies That Changed My Life. Oh, yeah. You it have is the IMDb podcast. Right. They have been back for their season two. The most interesting thing about this is I liked the idea there weren't any particular episodes that I was really like, wow, you know, this was a great episode. Basically the, the concept is that they, they bring somebody on, could be a filmmaker, could be a reviewer, could be an actor. And they, they give them three movies to pick, right? Mm -hmm. Here are the movies that changed your life. Let's talk about them. And then they talk about it. Do you think there's a through line in this? Yada, yada, yada. The most interesting ones that they've done recently with season two are one, and I've already forgotten his name because I didn't write it down, but the person that founded IMDb. Oh, interesting. Actually, and that was interesting to hear him. He's That's a British guy. Cool, yeah. And it was just interesting to kind of get his take on that. He talked more about recent movies that he loved than uh -huh. actually the format and i don't know if that's just because he didn't want to put out there here are the movies i love and i'm the guy who did this platform right people are like well those movies suck like so mm. yeah, anyway who yeah, knows right right um but he recently did that one and then they did a uh, mailbag one where they uh based on audience votes the 10 movies that changed people's lives more than anything else for oh IMDb interesting people. just qu quantity that was them, very yeah. interesting to me yeah 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 um I don't think people understand what movies that changed my life mean compared to movies that are my favorite movies. Right. Based on the results. Right. Uh, for example, I absolutely would name Star Wars as the movie more than anything else that changed my life simply because I watched it as a kid, wanted to make movies yeah. in one form or another, tell stories. Moved to L.A. because of that, even though I'm not making films now. Yeah. Everybody I know, where I live, my girl, all these things shaped my life. Right. Star Wars was the number one out of these 10 of movies that changed my life. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of filmmakers and aspiring filmmakers on IMDb voting for this. Even if they didn't make it as a filmmaker, maybe that's what they're talking about. Right. But most of the write-ins and the actual like, you know, statements people wrote in about 
don't have anything to do with like changing your life. Do you know what I mean? So it was just an interesting episode because at all time it was interesting to me. And at the same time I was like, now this is more of a popularity contest than this changed my life. But it was interesting to listen to and kind of listen to them talk about. So if you're looking for another podcast, you like ours and you like movies, Check out movies. That yeah, we my just life. saw an ad for it. Lori saw it on her phone earlier, and because they got uh, Rachel Wilson and Melinda Clark on to talk about the OC, right? <laughs> and right. my new podcast. Awesome. So I, yeah, I should, I should check out that podcast. So anyway, it's, it's worth checking out. Um, I will name a hidden gem if you don't have one. I no, can yeah, just throw I don't. But out. go for it, please. Um, let me scroll up here. Okay, so this is one. I was recently in Colorado with our friend Adam, um, and we were talking about movies when we were new to LA right come out uh back in 2006 right uh back in the day and this is a movie I haven't rewatched in a long time even though I do own it um I wonder if it is this is the conversation me and Adam had I wonder if it is still profound to me you know what I mean like I wonder if it feels that way or if it's going to be like Garden State which is not (laughs) to say that Garden State isn't a good movie but which is to say that in 2004 um, you know, it was the college, best thing I had ever I seen. I found it profound and yep. now I find it entertaining and I found it creative. And the fact that somebody made their first movie, I'm right. like, Hey man, good on right. you. But in no way does it feel, it feels, you know, not like a deep movie. Right. Um, the movie I am naming as the hidden gem this week is called a guide to recognizing your saints. Oh yeah. The book is totally different. I've read the book as well. I like that also. Um, but it is a movie with small, uh, role appearances from Robert Downey Jr., um, it has Rosario Dawson in it. It has a very young Shia LaBeouf and Channing Tatum back kind of before anybody really knew. Th- well, not knew them, but you know, they weren't right. Shia LaBeouf at the time was even Stevens and that was pretty much it. Um, so it's kind of their sort of debut in like serious sure. films. Um, it's very ar- artsy. I mean, it's like an art house film. It's, it's, um, sort of experimental in the mm-hmm. way it's made. Um, to me, I, I one, it's just a movie that I really like that nobody's seen, but, the way I remember it, the performances are really, really good. Like I remember thinking, you know, Shia LaBeouf and Channing Tatum, who at the time everybody was like the dance guy. Like I would tell people about this movie and they'd be like, step up Channing Tatum. Um, they're like juggernauts in this man. Like it is a very, very, um, gritty, tough story about inner New York city, you know, kids dealing with a lot of shit that's uh, older than they should be. I really love it. I've been trying to get Jess to watch it with me for six years. Um, <laughs> at some point we will watch it, sure. but um, I think it's worth checking out. If people are looking for something to throw on that they may have missed or something, uh, a guide to recognizing your saints, I'm not really going to pitch you on what it's about. It's really just about these kids right. and this guy remembering his relationships in his formative years. Some really good, some really bad. Um, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's one I've never seen. So I'll add it to the list. Yeah, definitely check it out, man. And everybody listening, um, if you're looking for a hidden gem, that's the one I'm going to name. Well, happy 40th birthday. We did 40 episodes of the regular podcast, not including the mini sodes and commentaries, but, um, I don't know. Uh, we are slowly getting back to life. Like probably most of you guys were fully vaccinated, obviously. And we are, uh, currently we did our Oscars mini sod together in my apartment. Right. We are now again together in my apartment and we're probably going to be together most of the time for podcasts if we God, can help it. So. Uh, and, um, that might mean that we don't quite get to as many episodes as we'd like, uh, depending on how much I'm working and you're working and all those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Hopefully um, but, uh, we'd like to keep going. And, and as always, 
uh, it goes without saying, please uh, call in, write in, text us, call us, whatever, uh, yeah, moviesandshit.com. We'd love to talk about stuff you guys want to hear. Yeah, um, even if uh, if even if you just see like a movie that you uh, is on streaming that you'd like us to talk about or do a commentary on that you uh, you think would be appropriate for our yeah, voice. Hell yeah, we'll be doing um, one of those. Please, soon. and uh, and if you're in LA and want to join us for a movie, uh, please let us know also because we're going to start aggressively getting out there to the new Bev again Heck and yeah. all that stuff. So, And shout out to uh, our, our most recent uh, fan and follower, Ted Hackman, who I've mentioned before, but <laughs> sure. has definitely been throwing out uh, feedback more uh, than probably anyone in the history of our podcast, <laughs> uh, but lately, because he's catching up on a lot of episodes, thanks, and it's been a lot yeah. of fun. So thanks for listening and, and checking everything I out. I actually and did see, the, you know, you can see on our on our Anchor website, uh, who hosts our podcast, um, <laughs> when there's a spike of, like, someone going back and listening to all of them, oh, because fun. it tells you when and what episodes they listen to. And there was this huge spike after you told me Ted was going back, and it was like so awesome. it was like yeah, someone listened to episodes you know t- two through forty or whatever. Right, <laughs> like, right. That's got to be Ted. Yeah, yeah. It's a hundred percent. There's no way that's someone else. Uh, right. So right. thank you definitely for checking that one out. Um, and uh, in, you know, in true uh, you know forty year old or forty episode yeah. old uh, fashion, um, I had a perfect idea for a playout song, ah. um, and I and, <laughs> and I totally forgot about forgot. it completely. So that seems appropriate for. Uh, 40th episode so i'm just gonna say adieu (laughs) to everyone and and thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you guys again soon